Welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent business. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Thank you for joining us. New episodes are available with your favorite podcast player through iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you could sign up at digitalnomadcafe.com. In today's episode, I'm talking with Grace Taylor from gracefullyexpat.com. Grace is a Canadian who lives in Dublin, Ireland, and specializes in U.S expat tax advice she runs a tax consultancy business specializing in digital nomads online entrepreneurs and has traveled extensively throughout the world grace thank you for joining us hi adam it's a pleasure to be here thanks you have a a very unique business and a unique offering it's it's not a typical one so i'm really excited to get into just kind of understanding how you got started with this so um and you're also living in ireland which is awesome so could you tell us a little bit about uh, what it is that you do and um yeah you're just a general overview of yourself and your business yeah absolutely um well i do i live in ireland now um although i'm originally from canada and my business is i actually provide tax support to um primarily digital nomads, really, um, but specifically U.S. digital nomads. Um, so that, that's a bit of a complex um, history, and sometimes people are confused about why a Canadian living in Ireland is practicing U.S. tax. But um, that's that's kind of my story, is I originally, um, obviously from Canada, but I transferred um, to a university down in the U.S., and I ended up getting hired by an accounting firm down there. So I worked in Seattle um, just in a normal corporate job, for the first few years of my career. Um, and it was great and it was a really good experience. And actually through that um, big four firm, I was transferred to the Dublin office, um, which was an amazing experience. I, I loved this city, it's where I live now. Um, I loved being so close to the rest of Europe um, and I ended up meeting my boyfriend here. But um, kind of partly through that um, initial year of working in the office over here, I kind of realized I wanted to do something a bit more independent. Um, and I think partially having access to, you know, other people who are expats in and around Europe, um, I realized that this tax specialty that I had been practicing my entire career up to that point, which was focusing on U.S. tax for expats, um, I realized there was an opportunity to help people who were on of a more kind of independent entrepreneurial bent. Um, and so that's when I really, I decided I would just uh, take the leap. I resigned and I started my business. Um, and that was about uh, almost two years ago now. Yeah. Brilliant. So you had the chance to move over with the company and then, you know, while you were here, decided I wanted to make a bit of a change and go out remote on your own. So that's it. And, you know, it was uh, prior to that, I hadn't really considered myself as an entrepreneurial type of person. I, I kind of thought I would just work the corporate job. You know, it was a good, safe job. Um, but I just I had this um, exposure to people doing their own thing. And I just thought, you know, it sounded too good to not give it a try. That's awesome. And and, I, and can you just talk a little bit more to, you know, the type of people who, who you're talking about, who you would serve? So like digital nomads who I imagine are U.S. residents, is it? And then they live abroad let's say in Spain or Thailand, but they run U.S. businesses. Is that how it works or? 
That's that's exactly it. And you know, um, coming from countries that do not tax us based on our citizenship, such as Canada or Ireland, um, it's sometimes a confusing concept. But the fact of the matter is, um, Americans need to file U.S. tax returns regardless of where they live or how much time they spend outside the U.S. Um, essentially indefinitely. So as long as they hold a U.S. citizenship, they're going to have a U.S. filing requirement. Um, and it gets a bit complicated in terms of whether they're resident in another country, whether they pay taxes to another country, whether there's treaties we need to apply. Um, so that, that's kind of where my particular specialty comes in. And I didn't know it at the time, but that, that's what I've been doing my entire career. That was just the area of the big company that they put me in. So I kind of had this specialized knowledge already, and I realized I could apply it to people who were living the digital nomad lifestyle. No, that's awesome. And a little bit scary, like coming from Ireland, where it's like, oh, it's sweet. If you leave Ireland, you know, you can, you don't necessarily, well, it depends on where you're a resident for tax purposes and where your business is registered. But in the United States, they definitely have a, a different outlook, like you're saying, in terms of the Americans have to file regardless of where they are. So, um, digital nomads is right up the alley, I guess, isn't it? Just plenty of people who, who migrate and who move to other countries and uh, run their businesses, but they are U.S. citizens. So um, that's interesting. So just kind of when you were getting started, so when you decided to go out on your own, how did you get your first clients? Uh, you know, how, how what did that look like? Was it referrals from your business? Did they let you take some accounts with you? Like, what did it look like when you started? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a really good question. And for me, um, because I, I've been working in the... Irish office, um, there, there wasn't an awful lot of U.S. tax work, to be honest with you. Um, and also just from a, a sort of a non-compete perspective, I was very, very careful. I actually didn't solicit or look for any clients until I had actually um, finished my last day um, with, with my previous employer. I just didn't want there to be any kind of um, ambiguity there. Um, and then, and then what I did really is I kind of, I, I hung out my digital um, uh, shingle, as you would say, and I, I made my website. Um, and I started kind of actually just asking people to um, go on their podcasts. Um, so I think that's that's kind of where I got my first few clients was actually I, I think that you might may know uh, Johnny FD. Yeah, I interviewed him. I think it was episode eight. Really good episode. Um, and I actually have somebody who listened to that episode messaged me there recently to say that they, they went and started a dropshipping business based on the model we discussed. So um, that's interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's brilliant when you get those uh, sort of things. And like you're you're definitely in the ears of the right people. You know, this is the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. They, you know, their listenership is, you know, thousands of people every month. And it's all well, majority of people who work online or who are freelance answers or who want to work remote and live in different countries so uh, hopefully we're in front of the right audience to chat about this but as an Irish citizen I guess I haven't had to deal with this but there are plenty the majority of the listenership is the United States so um, you know this is I guess the right audience to, to be discussing this in front of you know yeah yeah absolutely and you know I've I've found that the broader sort of location independent digital nomad community is such a welcoming and and kind of small town kind of feel to it like people tend to know each other or they know someone who knows someone um and to be honest yeah Johnny was just we met at a conference um and he said would you come on my podcast and I said absolutely I was delighted I he was sort of like, like a celebrity in the field um and that that was such a, an opening door for me that I really I could never thank him enough for it. And, and since then, I've gone on to participate in his Nomad Summit conference. Um, and then that, you know, just led to so many other amazing connections as well. Yeah, and it's it's a good um, it's a good way to get yourself out there. Like even 
uh, who was Eva, who was on, who does the podcast and show notes. You know, I've had people reach out to me and, and ask about her and her, you know, getting started in the same ways that she did, you know, after listening to that episode. So like getting on podcasts, if you're a freelancer, um, it's definitely a powerful way to get yourself and your services out in front of new people. And, you know, you can you can attest to that. Absolutely. Yep. I, I could not agree more. And it also, it just, it, it provides you something tangible to kind of, you know, stick on your website or, or stick out on social media where people can kind of see, um, it's, it's a bit of a validation almost, I suppose. Yeah. And I mean, and they can, well, I guess they can listen to it and see, you know, just kind of hear, you know, when you're reading text on a website, you know, it's difficult to, to, to put tone across you know what I mean like when you hear somebody talk and you understand that oh that person knows what they're talking about versus you know just text on a website it's a lot more dynamic I guess and people can warm to it a lot more and, and understand the person um, far more from a piece of audio video even better again <laughs> but I haven't uh, moved into doing video podcasts yet uh, my podcast editor is like oh don't do that please <laughs> so we'll, we'll see we might i'll try to figure something out with zoom but um so so that's a that's a good good thing to hear so you know really it helped you to grow your business by getting on podcasts and um what uh you know what was the next steps in terms of getting clients so outside of you know being a, a guest on podcasts what else has worked for you to help grow your business have you looked to use social media at all or your website or would you go the straight up you know, pitch and approach. What what works for you? Yeah, that's that's a really good question, and I'll say that I haven't. Um, I I wouldn't be the best at sort of being a regular social media poster. I just I don't I don't know. It's just not natural to me, I guess. Um, but what was a bit more natural was um, I got involved in a fair few um, kind of digital nomad or remote work conferences. Um, and to be honest, because nobody had ever heard of my site or what I was doing, um, I was just cold um, contacting them. And I basically said, hey, I know a little bit about, I know a lot about US tax for digital nomads. And I could kind of give you a high level overview of some of the issues that other nationalities might face. Um, would you be interested? And as a result of that, I got to speak at um, a couple of, uh, more than a couple, last year I really did quite a few conferences um, where I was just kind of one of the speakers and that provided a lot of connections and um, yeah, oftentimes somebody would, maybe they would even see the the YouTube video that was posted after the fact and they would contact me on the back of that. Um, so, and, and as well, I would say that kind of in, in a field like tax, you're a little bit lucky that people usually they seek you out when they need you It's because it's a, it's a problem that they're looking to solve. So I, I don't have to convince them that they have to um, solve this problem. They kind of already know. Yeah, that's it. If I'm trying to sell you SEO, you're like, ah, maybe, maybe not. But tax, you got you got to file your taxes. <laughs> and the longer you avoid it, the more likelihood that you're going to get in trouble. So um, and, and often as, as people learn, you know, it's when you make money, the tax becomes that's when tax comes top of mind. You're like, how do I not pay as much tax as possible? You know what I mean? What are the what are the options that I can do? You know what? What? Uh, yeah, I, like I know there's people who who might buy websites uh, towards the end of the tax year to offset the profits. I've seen that as a strategy people use to, you know, decrease the tax then that they have to pay on profits. I'm not sure if it's the same in the US, but in Ireland, that's definitely uh, something people would do, you know. And and sort of just in general, I'd say that um, I, I really enjoy working with people who are entrepreneurs as well, because it just it does open up more opportunities for planning and for just different strategies. Whereas if, if we're perfectly honest, we, we kind of all understand that if you're the regular kind of salaried employee, 
there's just not that much you can do. You kind of, you know, you just, you pay taxes on your salary and that's that. But yeah, when you're out there kind of developing businesses um, and doing your own thing, it, it becomes it more complicated, but on the plus side, you have more kind of um, interesting opportunities potentially. Of course. Um, would you find that, you know, many, let's say digital nomads and entrepreneurs and online business owners are good at keeping track of things or do you find out when it comes time to sort it out that everything's a bit of a mess and lots of different accounts um typically what would you find yourself because i know myself i'm a disaster for that stuff <laughs> i just went through it all in ireland for my for my own business and it was like five different bank accounts looking for stuff receipts from everywhere it was a bit messy but and I, I would have to say that I, I do see the, the full range of some people have things all ticked and tied down to, you know, the last dollar, the last euro. Um, and then other people, it is a bit more of a scramble. Um, so what I what I try and encourage my clients to do is I try and um, suggest gently that they try and keep things relatively organized throughout the year. Um, just because, um, for, for example, you know, for a, a sort of a, a typical or maybe someone who's just starting out, um, as a freelancer or as a self-employed individual, um, what they may or may not realize from a U.S. perspective is they need to list their business expenses because they're only going to be subject to tax on their net income. Um, but what that means is, especially in their first year or so, they might have forgotten about keeping track of their expenses. So when we're doing their taxes in April, really around this time, um, to go back over the last 12 months and figure out what exactly their business expenses were, it can be a bit of a headache. Um, so when we have that pain point, I suggest that, you know, maybe for next year, you might keep a, a running list of some kind of Excel spreadsheet, whatever records they have is is better than none. Yeah, I mean, even like you're saying, just a good old Excel spreadsheet to try and keep some sort of track. Is there a software that, you, you know, you think yourself um, is, is beneficial for this? Like I know some freelancers use FreshBooks. Um, there's another one called Pludio. There's, there's a number of different software solutions to help with this. Uh, what would you yourself recommend or you know are you most familiar with yeah do you know from my perspective it's whichever program the person is actually going to use um if they kind of get the user interface and if it's if it feels intuitive to them um because from my perspective as an accountant i kind of look at them and go they're all very much of a same kind of um they have similar functionalities. Um, they do the same kind of thing. They're actually usually even priced in a very similar way. So I don't have a clear favorite. Um, kind of just pick one and kind of use it if, you, if you're going to. Yeah, you just like, just use one. <laughs> no matter which <laughs> one you use, it's like going to have profit, it's going to have expenses, it's going to have receipts, you know, and you know, that's really what you want. You know, like even now myself, like I just take photos of receipts. I don't even do anything, you know, and then you back them up into the app. Um, that's how I do it, you know, and, and that's... Uh, yeah. And once once you can get into a, in a good habit about that, um, it really does help your your humble accountant an awful lot. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, your job is to try and help them to, I mean, optimize, I guess is probably the best word, optimize the amount of tax that they pay. You know what I mean? Like, and you can only do that if they've if they've really taken good records, because otherwise it's going to be, well, you made all this much. We, we can account for that easy with invoices, but you know, where's all the expenses, <laughs> you know, because we got to pay tax. So, so you, you got to try and get that down. Um, that's awesome. So like, it, it's definitely an, an interesting model. And, you know, would you, where would you find that most of the people who you would work with um, have kind of set up shop and, and located from? Oh, it really, it varies so widely. So I would have, you know, some of my clients would be of a more sort of traditional expat um, 
profile in that maybe they maybe they married a local and they settled down in you know Spain or even Ireland or the UK or Australia. Um, or, and then I have other clients who are the opposite end of the spectrum who are true digital nomads. They might be in a new location every month or every two months. Um, I, it's really all over the map. And then as well, you know, I also see people who it's, it's interesting and it's rewarding to work with people over a longer stretch of time because you can see how their lifestyle and their business needs um, lead them into new areas where they might have been a really, you know, mobile digital nomad for a while and then find that they want to settle down and they pick a place around the world that um, that suits their lifestyle. So it's that's one thing that I see as such a huge advantage of remote work is no matter how our kind of our lives progress um, over the years, remote work is always going to support that, I feel. So that's why, you know, for me, I was more nomadic and now I'm more settled in Ireland. And if my life changed and I needed to settle somewhere else, you know, I could do that as well. So I, I feel like it's a, it's kind of a good insurance policy. Yeah, I'm a huge advocate for it. I don't know why anyone would just want to work in, in, in one location. Um, you know, <laughs> I no, but like genuinely, like it's, it things have changed, you know, in, in the last 10 years, massively five years, you know, it, it's really taken off and um, there's, there's huge opportunities to work uh, remotely and companies are embracing it too. You know, they understand it's far less overheads. Uh, people are, I mean, it's been proven tons and tons of articles. People are more productive, um, you know, when, when they do work remote because there's not, your typical office chat, uh, you know, there's pressure that's relieved. I guess people can be a bit more relaxed and a bit more of their authentic self and just get their work done. Uh, you know, almost every report that comes out, obviously it's not it's not without its challenges, you know what I mean? It can be a bit lonely working remote sometimes and that's why you need to build, uh, you know, mechanisms and habits into your day where you get out and interact with people because, you know, you don't want to be just stuck in your bedroom all day. <laughs> you know, that's not that's not ideal either. So it's 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 kind of about finding that work-life balance and, and what works for you and, you know, where you're most productive. You know, me personally, I love going to the cafe in, in the mornings and just spending two hours, headphones on, just cracking into it, you know, whatever it is I'm trying to do. Obviously not recording podcasts, but, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I'm in a room with the curtains pulled and I have my mic here and everything, you know, trying to do my best for the sound when recording a podcast. But for other work, you know, I like to get out and about in a cafe because it's not spending the whole day in the house. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, now that I have settled into our place here in Dublin, um, I'm, I'm starting to find those routines for myself as well, because when I was more mobile I was I probably in 2018 I probably moved around too much um, and I think maybe my productivity didn't suffer but it wasn't as optimized as it might have been um, and so now I, I'm really kind of trying to settle into my local area um, so I, I have some some good routines that I think are are beneficial that's and so you, you kind of hit on something there that I think is important to discuss a little bit further so when you're moving around it is difficult to be as productive because you don't have those habits built into your business so you know can, can we I guess this is being an open and honest conversation. What sort of things would you say, you know, you've struggled with as you're moving around? Is it connecting with time zones? Is it keeping on top of the work itself? Like, you know, what do you find challenging when you're traveling and working and running your business? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I would say that time zones, they're always a challenge, but they're one that I'm used to because my clients are in all different time zones around the world. Um, so I kind of just, I, I, I pretty naturally adapt to that when I've been traveling a lot, but what I've struggled more with is, do you know, actually it's, it's more the personal habits I'd say, because, um, like I would, you know, when I'm, when I'm here in Dublin, I go to a yoga studio a couple times a week and 
I would be able to kind of get a, a healthy kind of exercise and, and eating routine going. Whereas if you're moving around and you're spending so much time in airports, um, I felt like that suffered. And then my productivity suffered as a result of it. So I'm, I'm happier to kind of get into more healthy habits now that I'm here. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I find definitely when I'm going to the gym and, and you know, eating fairly clean, I'm far more productive overall <laughs> than when I'm not like it genuinely like your kind of motivation can drop. But when you're in your daily routine and you kind of build your habits, you know, you got your fitness, you got your, your work and you just feel like things move a lot better um, and free more slowly. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I've been thinking about it. And although I'm quite happy here in Dublin for now, um, if, if I were to kind of go a bit more nomadic again, um, I would really make it kind of a minimum one month stay in a location um, if, if not more like three months would be my ideal, I think, because um, anything less than that and you're just it feels like you're always just packing and getting ready for the next flight. And um, it's it's not conducive to really digging in and getting deep work done. Yeah. And there's definitely a lot more of these places popping up. I mean, I see ads almost every day on Instagram about work, you know, co-workations or whatever they call them. And, you know, these these little setups. But now I interviewed some people from uh, Las Palmas and Gran Canaria. And I mean, they seem to have a real good set up over there for you know people who want to go over there and spend like we're saying like one to three months they recommend you know at least two months you know they're like don't you're kind of wasting your own time coming here for any less <laughs> you know yeah i agree and and las palmas is definitely on my list of places that i would love to spend a couple of months in at least it's so nice there uh, laura runs a spanish uh she teaches Digital Nomad Spanish online and she runs a Spanish school there and Nacho Rodriguez who runs a co-working space there in, in earlier episodes and they you know they, yeah, I've, I've met both yeah, of they, them they're really uh, oh, there you go you've met them I mean I, I want to go over but they really sell it you know and uh, make it sound really nice and haven't been to Gran Canaria it is a beautiful place um, and you know this remote work and, and being able to enjoy the lifestyle the balance of the sunshine and, and the nice weather and the good people and they really put on events to help people like we're saying network outside of the work you know and, and enjoy each other's company and share ideas and knowledge yeah absolutely and it's it's handy for us as well because it's just a quick Ryanair flight down there it's it's really not too hard yeah it's not that bad well you're in Dublin I'm on the other side of Ireland so it takes me longer to drive to Dublin than it does to fly to Spain oh right I'm sorry <laughs> it's all good but it's a that's a funny scenario isn't it that it genuinely does take me longer to drive to Dublin than it would to fly to Spain so uh, that's the <laughs> I double up on my trip um okay and and just kind of touching on tools that you would use that help you uh, day to day run your business you know you're, you're clearly managing multiple clients Um, you know do you have any tools that help you to run your business and that you know that you would recommend um i guess you know i keep things fairly simple um i use a, a professional tax software that's not going to be applicable to most of your readers um, but it just allows me to basically my clients upload their documents sec securely into the cloud um so that's handy because obviously just from, you know, privacy perspective, um, I don't have people email anything that has sensitive information. Um, so having some type of tool like that would be good um, for my own purpose. Like I, I actually love uh, Google Docs for like spreadsheets and things like that. I work with numbers, so I do, would use a lot of spreadsheets. Um, and then, yeah, that's that's the main thing. Oh, do you know, actually one tool that um, I don't know if anyone who's listening would have any type of kind of a consulting business, but um, I, I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling for people to schedule consultations with me. 
Um, and I have absolutely loved it so far. It allows them to just, um, it syncs with my Google calendar and then they can just schedule a consultation straight away. Um, and it pops up on my calendar and theirs, and then we go from there. So it's, it's a very hands-off way to schedule consultations. Sweet. So you just have time that you allocate uh, for your consultations, probably in 15 minute or 30 minute blocks. And, you know, <clears throat> if, if something comes in, you get your notification. So I guess that is important. There's lots. I mean, coaches as well would use that. Anyone who's doing yeah, anyone business like coaching. Yeah. And um, consulting. Yeah. There's actually a, a massive number of people. I've used Calendly in the past, which I think is fairly s- similar, you know, Um but yeah, I mean, whatever works, but you got to give people an opportunity to, you know, get in touch with you without having the back and forth of the emails and what time and will this time suit, will that time suit, make it, make it as streamlined as possible, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Because as, as you say, when you're dealing with people who are in so many different time zones, um, and especially when your time zone this week might be different than your time zone next week. Yeah, it, it just helps massively cut down on that back and forth of email. I think it's important for your own mental space too, like, you know, for you to know that I only do, you know, I'll do my consultations between these hours. Well, like, let's say while I'm in Ireland, you know, because then, you know, you know, outside of that time, you can focus on your deep work and you can do different things. Whereas, you know, just personally, I found this that if I leave an open calendar, you know what I mean? You could get something that's in the evening and then you have to plan your day around it. You're like, it's not the way to go. You know, try and set your set the times that you're mentally available for. Like even honestly, for me, it could be podcasting. You know, I don't have I can't just have an open calendar for recording podcasts. I need to fit it around multiple projects and a child. So, you know, I kind of have the hours that I like to record. And, and you know, that's all that's available to, to book within. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I think it's important for your own mental space to have that. Um, well, have a place where somebody else can book the time with you. If you're a consultant, a coach, like you're saying, you know, you're selling a service essentially. You know, even if you're doing SEO, you still need to have calls with humans and talk with them about what it is that they want to do. Um, so I think that's an important thing to. Yeah, absolutely, and it, for for productivity as well. Because when, like, for me, if I had you know a thirty minute call here and then thirty minutes in between and then another hour call, it just it would break up the day such that I wouldn't get as much done overall. So it's much better to kind of chunk things. And, and give yourself a good um, a good block of time for a particular task. No, for sure. Totally. Completely agree with you. I read Deep Work there recently, and I'm really trying to, you know, uh, what would you say, embody the, the teachings of it, you know. And essentially, for anyone who hasn't read it, it's uh, give yourself two to four hour blocks um, of undistracted, uninterrupted, focused work. Don't be switching tabs and going between different things. You just turn everything off <laughs> and just get stuck into it, you know? Um, um, my, my boyfriend would be a great fan of Cal Newport as well. And he's, um, he's read Digital Minimalism. That's his new book. Um, so now I sort of, he, he'd be kind of keeping an eye on how much we're on our phones, which, which is a good thing, I suppose. Yeah, I recently installed, uh, it's called Space, the app. Um, it's a free app and you can install it on your phone and it tells you like how many times you've unlocked your phone. It gives you these, it gives you how long you've been on your phone and it's quite, it's fascinating. You know what I mean? Because you can set, you're like, I only want to unlock my phone 40 times a day. And that might sound like a lot. The average person unlocks their phone 120 times per day. 120, your average person. So really this was... <laughs> Jesus, I can't remember the name of what now. There was a, I, I read a, re, a book recently about um, just a, about uh, addiction, you know, addiction to social media, addiction to uh, the internet and how everybody's essentially rewiring their brains. Because as a parent of a young child, I 
I guess I'm very aware of this. You know what I mean? And you see people giving their children phones and just constantly letting children have phones. And I, I don't agree with it at all, to be honest with you. And I feel like they don't even understand maybe that they're, they're, they're massively rewiring those children's brains. Like these apps, apps are developed by people usually from gaming, like last, you know, like uh, gambling. Um, and it's like they're designed to be addictive. They're designed to give you dopamine hits. They're designed to make you come back by giving you streaks and giving you rewards or leveling you up. Like every single bit of it is designed to keep you addicted to it. <laughs> so uh, it you have to be conscious. I think you genuinely have to accept that, oh, maybe I am on my phone too much. Well, if if you think you are, download space. It's free. Stick it on your phone. It'll tell you soon enough, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, especially in the sort of the new economy where we're kind of, we're the only ones who are kind of checking up on ourselves for the, for the most part anyways, you know, like it's, it's up to us to make sure that we are productive and that we are kind of mentally healthy um, because it's the, kind of the days of just showing up and, and filling time in a seat are pretty much over, I'd say. Of course. And as, as people who work online and most of the people listening to this podcast uh, work online, run an online business, are a freelancer, like it can feel like the work is never done in terms of you could always put more stuff on social media. You could always schedule more stuff out. You could always, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's, Absolutely. And, and I'm guilty of that too, you know, where it's like, Jesus, you need to get out of Instagram. But like at the same time, I need to, I think I need to be on Instagram because that's where all the online influencers and entrepreneurs are. And I want to get them on the podcast. So, uh, you know what I mean? Like I need to build up my following and follow them and interact. So it's like, um, there's kind of a fine balance, I think. And it's, it's important to just set yourself limits maybe. And, um, you know, it's like if you're going to do it, say I'll give myself X amount of time because otherwise it, it can become all consuming, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And th- as you say, there's so many opportunities and there's so many strategies that would be successful if you devoted the time and energy to them. So you have to be quite selective about what you're going to devote your time and energy to. Of course, social media for the most part is, uh, yeah, <laughs> not super productive. <laughs> you might think it is, but it's not. I mean, it can be for like if you're pitching in groups for work, which I mean, I've talked on this a number of times in this podcast. So many people have gotten work out of Facebook groups and it's where I get podcast guests like Facebook groups are very useful because they're very niche specific and you can find good people. I asked for. I'm looking, I'm just kind of looking for a virtual assistant to take this um, social media stuff off my hands, let's say, because I don't want to be the one doing it. And I asked in a group, uh, it's called Virtual Assistant Savvies, I think. And there's a really good website, and uh, I can't remember the girl's name who runs it, but it's um, Virtual Assistant Savvies on Facebook. And I just put in there, I was like, oh, I'm looking for somebody to do such and such. The amount of friend requests I got, and the amount of messages was unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like overwhelming response. And, uh, but it, you know, that's, that's where people go to pitch. So I guess if you're using your time on social and you're a freelancer and that's what you're doing, um, I guess it makes sense from that perspective. Yeah, yeah that's right. And I, I would agree with you as well. I've gotten um, great work and great connections through uh, Facebook groups or through sort of people asking questions and then someone linking to me or something like that. So it's, it, it can definitely be a useful tool for getting the right people in touch with each other because yeah, there's, there's so many options out there that it's really just, it's getting in touch with the right people um, that I think is the biggest challenge, really. Of course. And and I guess for your business, now that I think about it, I, I should I even ask this, do you like Facebook groups have worked well for you and your business? Is that correct? 
Do you know, I wouldn't have ever sort of run a Facebook group myself. I just don't like to spend that much time on social media. But um, where it has worked for me is, yeah, so I would follow a few groups that are, are kind of related to um, digital nomads or U.S. nomads or U.S. nomads in Europe or something like this. Um, and yeah, that then, you know, if people ask a question, you know, sometimes I can respond and just just really, I honestly try and provide value to the community first and foremost. Um, and then, you know, if, if it works out that they want to become a client, um, that's great as well. It's awesome. I mean, it really sounds like that's the the strategy that seems to work really well for you is leading with value. You know, whether it's speaking at a conference, coming on a podcast, you know, come on, give some give value, you know, answer questions and be seen as, as somebody who's knowledgeable in their area of expertise. And, you know, then people will start, like you're saying, they'll start tagging you on social media. It'll start, you know, saying, oh, this is the person who, who I know does that. And all of a sudden you kind of turn other people into your salespeople inadvertently. You know what I mean? In that they see you, they see you as the expert and they're like, oh, Grace knows about that. <laughs> Go talk to Grace. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, that's I just feel good about operating that way. I feel good about um, kind of trying to give more than I get. If, if that sounds cheesy, but it is true. Like it's you, you don't want to be sort of um, someone who's out there just trying to always ask for something rather than offer something first. Of course. And I think that's, you know, any any, let's say, course or online uh, advice you would read about Facebook groups. It's always that's the strategy, really. You know, answer questions, lead with value, be be authentic. Um, I lied in there. If you reply with video, you get huge engagement. Um, because I've done that a few times when I was running my agency. You know, I would reply to people's questions with a video, because nobody does that. Like almost nobody. You know what I mean? Like, so if somebody's asking a question, you could just make a quick 30 second video and upload it on the post. Like you stand out like a sore thumb, <laughs> you know, because that's amazing. I've never heard of that. Because like nobody does it. Everyone just writes text. You know what I mean? So I, I seen it in a couple of, um, I was doing Amazon FBA for a while and, and stuff like that. And there was one guy who kept doing it. And like, ironically, it was like, I kept seeing him and I kept, he kept sticking out and I was like, Do you know what? I'm going to try that. And oh, I got huge engagement and interaction just from, yeah, if people are asking questions and if you, if you know about it, then it's, and it's often faster, you know, than like breaking down, you know, you know, maybe the, 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 the question that they ask will require a fair bit of text to answer it. If you just like knock on your video for 20, 30 seconds, you can probably spit it out, you know? Yeah, that's that's a great point. Yeah, so that's awesome to hear that it's worked and, and um, you know, that, that it's kind of grown organically, if you will. You know, you go in there, you provide value. Other people will see you as the expert and they also recommend and tag you. So that's brilliant. And, you know, good advice for anybody who is a freelancer running their own service-based online business that, you know, Facebook groups to recurring theme. It's come up on the podcast, I dare say, nearly almost every episode. Um, and it's it's always the same theme, you know, show up provide value and and people start to see you as as an expert and a trusted advisor so yeah that's right and that's that's really where people are isn't it you know as as a new business you would hardly expect to kind of rank on google in your first you know couple of months in business so you have to kind of you have to get in front of the people that need you really of course yeah i mean seo is a long game strategy and you know doing things like upwork and, and freelancer.com different strategy really you know like you gotta do a load of low ball work build up your profile like there's a uh, I'm the last episode um i know it's not live yet but it will be by the time this is live with katie uh katie uniac and she got kicked off upwork for a, a client so somebody who she was going to work for asking her to come off upwork uh, and accept payment and she said no and sent the screenshots to Upwork and they were just like black and white. Nope, you're off the platform. 
<laughs> you know, so it's like that's the ludicrousy of of you know you're building. I guess if you're using a freelancer site like that, and if that's your only way of getting business, you, you know it's um you can be caught out. You know, like if you build everything there and they take it away, you know, essentially you're building you're building your business on somebody else's platform. You know, where, you know, you would have, if you have your own website and your own asset and you're interacting in Facebook groups and by all means use these freelancer websites. But, you know, if you can take control, I guess, if is what I'm trying to say here, you know, don't just rely on one source of, of uh, place to acquire leads and business. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And especially now, um, I feel very fortunate that, you know, even in the early days of my business, I, I was able to kind of get enough to sort of live on. That was really, you know, I started out and I just thought, right, if I just make enough to live on, I'll be fine. Um, and then, you know, you see where it goes from there. But the, once you have a sort of an asset, really, because your business is an asset um, and the the idea that that could be taken away from you is, is a really scary thought, actually. So trying to diversify your, your risk in that regard as much as possible, I, I think is a really good thing. 100%. Uh, definitely. And even, it's the same even with a, like, I'm a big fan of affiliate marketing and, you know, trying to build affiliate sites. And while initially you'll get them started with SEO, um, you know, the number one thing you do then is diversify traffic. <laughs> as soon as you start racking, you're like, okay, how do we get more traffic from Pinterest or YouTube or something, you know, something else versus uh, just relying because, you know, because then if Google does an update and it negatively affects the website, you're not, you're not going to lose everything overnight, you know, so um yeah diversification is important for everybody including freelance businesses so um look we're coming to the end of the episode now grace i really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and your journey so you know if if somebody was listening to this and they were they were interested um you know in getting started working online let's say in you know the accountancy space you know in in the industry in the area that you work in which is a specialized service you know what sort of tips would you have for those people if they had no clients or no sales but they were interested in you know starting a business similar to how yours operates yeah i'd say the the best thing i could think of really and and what worked for me was getting involved in the communities um and then by meeting the people that are leaders in those communities, whatever it may be, it might happen to be digital nomads, but it could be anything. Um, they're going to, they're going to put you in front of the people that need to hear from you and they're going to kind of point you where you should go next. So yeah, that's the, the biggest thing for me has been actually the, the personal connections, whether it's been kind of an online sort of on a podcast or whether it's been in person going to conferences um, that that's been the biggest um, determiner for me. Awesome. And that's fabulous advice for anybody who's, you know, in, in your industry and in a number of different industries, you know, that just getting involved with the community, putting yourself out there, letting people see who it is, um, who you are and what to do. And, and as you said, those people can then lead you, uh, you know, to the next steps or to different people and open up doors for you essentially down the line. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I, I feel like because there's there's so much kind of open space out there, you don't need everyone to be, depending on what you're working in, but you don't need everyone to be your client, but you need the right people to be your client. And when, when they can see who you are, then they're going to know that it's the right fit. So that's that's worked well for me so far. Awesome. Grace, thank you very much. So um, where can people find you if they wanted to get in touch after listening to this episode? All right. Well, um, my website is gracefullyexpat.com. There's a link that you can, if you need tax advice, you can actually schedule a consultation there. Um, or if you just want to get in touch socially, um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else as Gracefully Expat. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to chat with anyone about digital nomad life or life in Ireland or whatever. 
Thank you very much, Grace. It was a very informative episode. Thank you very much, and uh, thanks to all the listeners. Thank you for listening to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com.